Reactions to the first two rounds of the NFL Draft. Will Aaron Rodgers actually get traded? And a brand new segment where Will Gordon and I curse at each other for not agreeing on our opinions. All that and more on this episode of The Opinionated Ones, brought to you by The Sanchez Show. Let's get to it. What's really good and welcome back to another episode of The Sanchez Show. I am your host, Eric Sanchez. And as we do about twice a month, I had to invite the big homie, Will Gordon, on the show so we can get our segment in of The Opinionated Ones. Will, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Good to be back with you as always, man. Love it. Absolutely. We're doing big things. The numbers is great. So we appreciate everybody tuning in, listening in. Uh, Shout out to the group chat for the love of the game. Now it is the NFL draft round two is wrapping up right now. So we got to get into that. We got to get into a little NBA talk as well. Let's start with the NFL draft. Yesterday, obviously, was round one. A lot of things going on. We saw five quarterbacks go in the top 15 picks. We saw seven players selected before an actual defensive player came off the board. And then we saw the run of the three receivers coming off the board within a matter of five picks. Will, what was your overall reaction of day one of the draft? Um, day one, it, it really felt mad chalky at the beginning, you know, like it kind of played out how people were expecting it to. And uh, for actually, after, it was a little bit boring to me, to be honest with you, because I mean, when you, Everybody was expecting quarterbacks to go early, as they did. Um, I think it got a little interesting when you uh, when you got into the DBs going back to back, and then in the the, uh, the trade action around uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 in that range, when uh, when they jumped up, you know, you saw uh, Chicago jump up to get Bills, and you saw a little action there, but. Uh, at the top of the draft is where I was expecting the most uh, action, and it really wasn't as much uh, surprises as I thought it was going to be. But, you know, I'm just glad it was here. As a football fan, you, you, you love the draft. It almost feels like a holiday, and I really can't complain about it. It, it just didn't, just wasn't as many fireworks as I thought could have popped off. I agree with you from the standpoint of we didn't see as many trade-ups as we originally thought, Um, right? We didn't really see our first trade-up until pick uh, 10 with Dallas. And then after that, we started seeing some movement. Dallas moved out of 10 and Philly moved up and then the Bears moved up to 11. And we started seeing a little Mm -hmm. movement there. For me, though, I was interested in in the overall, the analytical part of this draft, the, the, you know, the, the reports and who was graded where and obviously how were we grading value for the picks. And I think that's what we started seeing a little bit of it. But it was a top-heavy draft. I think it was really about the top 15 to 20 guys. And then from there, it was really about filling needs from that point on. Um, what were your thoughts on the quarterbacks? Again, we saw five go in the top 15. Lawrence went first. Zach Wilson went second, which is what we have been expecting for the last two months. Uh, we weren't sure what the Niners were going to do. They take Trey Lance. And then Fields and Mac Jones fall probably to the best situations they could fall to at 11 and at 15. What were your thoughts on the quarterbacks in their landing spots? Well, you know what it is with Trevor. I really, I really do feel like he's the best quarterback in the draft. Like, I mean, that's not saying anything. Everybody, you know, most people do. Um, but at two, I'm, I'm really, 
I really feel like uh, the whole Zach Wilson train that that transpired is. I think it's a mistake. I really do. I think. Uh, I think Fields is this probably the second best quarterback in this draft, and. Like we talked about before, no games were played between the end of the season and now somehow his stock fell. And, you know, that could be for whatever reasons, you know, we already, you know, certain things you can speculate on. But to me, I feel like he should have been the second quarterback off the board. Um, Trey Lance going third to San Francisco. I think they're going to regret that. That dude... He had he put up great numbers against uh dudes that look like me. He uh and and actually uh a year and what two years ago? He he started one season, he played one season of college football yeah. against against you know what I'm saying, against dudes to get off the field and then go and uh you know what I'm saying, hit the hit the buffet. So I'm not really I'm not I can't. I can't go off your. I can't go off his film, and I can't go off. I can't even. I can't go off anything from him really, because when I look when I look at his film, he's fasting everybody on the field, and I know it's forty time this that and everything else. But when you look at when I watched his film, I watched the defense more than I watched him, because I really wanted to see what he was facing. And I'm telling you, there's guys out there that I could have I could have played on these, some of these teams, and I'm 42, so it's like, what do you really? What, do you, what did you really play against? And you can only play against who's, who you're scheduled against. But then that makes me wonder why the hell are you at? If you you so sweet, why are you at uh, North North Dakota State or where? You know what I'm saying? That's that's the best you could have done. I just I just really I think that is going to be a mistake. I think Justin Fields was the perfect spot for San Francisco. Um, I mean, you couldn't have went wrong if you were the Jets to take him because I think he's the second best talent in, in the in the draft at quarterback. But I think everybody that passed on Justin Fields, other than Jacksonville, is going to regret. They're going to they're going to rue the day that they that they passed on that kid, man. Right, listen, I one thousand percent agree with you in terms of Justin Fields. You and I have had this conversation in the past. He coming into this process of, you know, uh, evaluation and, and combine and things like that. I think we both have said the same thing that he reminded us a lot of Deshaun Watson during that process and how Deshaun somehow was overlooked and overly criticized, even though Deshaun was the ultimate winner in college. He had gone to back to back national championship games. He had done well against elite defenses and yet teams were trying to find ways to nitpick his game. Same thing with Justin Fields. I mean, he's coming off back-to-back playoff appearances, a national championship appearance where he played with cracked ribs, played well against Clemson two times, and yet we're trying to nitpick his game. But on the flip side of that, Trey Lance, who hasn't played a game in two years, nobody that Trey Lance has played against will be in the NFL next year. Let's not fool ourselves. Nobody he played against. So, as you mentioned, these highlights and everyone going crazy about, oh, his touchdown-to-interception ratio was amazing – well, yeah, because he was playing against guys that probably are better suited to play flag football than collegiate tackle football. So Absolutely. he lit up guys that weren't of the caliber that he's going to face now in the NFL. I think Zach Wilson, I think the, the hype got out of control based purely off of what he could do on an empty field throwing the football. They kept showing highlights of him 
rolling to his left and being able to throw back right. And I'm like, yeah, that looks great, but he's doing it against no defenders. There isn't anyone out there covering this receiver that's running routes for him right now. So that's not something that he's going to really be able to do at the next level. And this comparison to Patrick Mahomes, I think is ridiculous, bro. Like Patrick Mahomes played at a... At a absolutely. But Patrick Mahomes coming out of the Big 12 played against elite competition and we saw what the talent was, right? Patrick Mahomes had games against those Oklahoma teams that were very good with Baker Mayfield where he was dropping 40 on those defenses. So we knew what we were getting with Mahomes. It was just a matter of, was he too raw or was, did he just need a little bit of time? Patrick Mahomes landed in a perfect situation. He got to go with Andy Reid, sit behind Alex Smith for a year, and they already had the weapons. Kelsey, Hill, and Kareem Hunt were already there. Zach Wilson is going to the Jets, who, as you can see now, are trying to develop an O-line, receivers, and a running back. And they're expecting him to start from day one. So it's not the same. Anybody who thinks he's going to come in here and just light things up, he's going to struggle. And I think it's going to really be a, an obstacle that they're going to have to overcome to get him to win games, win meaningful games, and show that he can be a leader. Because he wasn't able to do it at BYU. They weren't winning a lot of games at BYU. And I saw a stat today where they showed against uh, teams that had a winning record where he was the quarterback. He threw one touchdown and eight interceptions during his his college career. That's an actual stat, bro. So, and now you're telling me you're going to go to the Jets who don't have the weapons, who don't quite have the O-line yet, who have a a first-year, first-time head coach, and this guy is supposed to be your savior. It's going to take some time. I think Zach Wilson has talent, but it's going to take a lot of time there. Who's the OC in uh, New York? I believe it's uh, Matt LaFleur's little brother. Okay. So, you know what? And that makes a lot of sense for that, for those pro day throws. That roll left, throw right stuff. That's the stuff his big brother runs. Yeah, that, that's the stuff that his big brother runs with Aaron Rodgers. That's the stuff he runs with Aaron Rodgers. So, why else would you showcase that pro day <laughs> unless it was specifically because nobody else runs that. Typically, that's a bad throw. Yeah, nobody, I mean, nobody runs. You know what I mean? Yeah, only nobody only the runs elite, that set. Right, only the elite quarterbacks can get away with that. You know, yeah. again, the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes, because any other quarterback who tries it is is throwing a duck up that a safety's going to pick off and run back the other way. Exactly. So, so if if Lafleur's little brother is running things offensively with the Jets, and then you look at Wilson's pro day, and that's and like you said, it was the throws. It was those kind of throws is what was uh, knocking everybody's doors off. Man, it, it's like they knew way ahead of time what was what was really going down. You know what I mean? Because because why else would you? Why are you showcasing that? That's not nobody else runs that. Nobody else would want to do that. You know what I mean? So so why is that something you would showcase? It's like it's like if you were out here trying to throw behind the back passes. You know, you know what I'm saying? Why, why are you doing that unless somebody actually wanted you to run that? So yeah. that tells me that tells me a lot of some of the behind the scenes action, where the, the whole Zach Wilson to the Jets thing that was a foregone conclusion. What it sounds like to me. Oh yeah, I, th- I think they they fell in love with him early. And again, the the downside of the draft process is there's so much time between the end of the season and the actual draft. Right here we are at the end of April. The college season ended back in January. So for the past two and a half months, three months, 
there's been guys, all they've been doing is working out and throwing in t-shirt and shorts. And so we fall in love with that part of the process because even the combine is that. The combine is you on an empty field with no defenders, just throwing the ball. And we fall in love with the mechanics and look at the different arm angles he can throw from. And all that is cute until you're actually on the field with 11 defenders in front of you that aren't going to just allow you to scramble left and throw back right. right. So that's something to watch. In terms of Justin Fields, though, Fields and Mac Jones, I thought actually the biggest winners out of the quarterback position. I don't know if you agree with me there, but they were able to land in good situations where the team around them is in better shape to compete right away. What were, what were your thoughts on Fields at 11 going to the Bears and Mac Jones at 15 going to the Patriots? I'm not sure Mac's going to play this year. I really don't. Um, Cam... I think, see, I'm one of the few people on earth that think Cam still has something left. I think last year, I really throw that away with with the with everything with COVID and the new offense and every and all the other obstacles they ran into, and you know having no help on defense with all the players that opted out. I really, I kind of throw last year away, and I don't, I don't see. Put it like this. Cam's not gonna he's not gonna be a backup in New England. So, you know, it's not a lot of money committed there. If they're gonna commit to the youngin', then Cam's out of there. Which I but I don't think they're gonna commit to him as a starter this year at all. Because I really think um the whole reason that he was brought that Cam was brought back was because Bill wanted to run it back with Cam. He, he knows everything that all the trials and tribulations they went through last season, and he didn't really have a fair shot. Um, I think everything that you want the rookie to do, Cam could probably do. I mean, at this point, you know what I mean? At, the rookie's not going to, he's not going to go out there and I don't think he's going to outperform Cam Newton. We got, you got to, Cam's had a, a bad run last few years. Injuries, change of teams, COVID, everything else. He's had a he's had a bad run, but this kid's a he's a he's an MVP. You know what I mean? He's been to the Super Bowl. You know, he is a rookie of the year. Like he's got the pedigree of of a guy that can compete. And and it's funny how I mean he's taking more licks than most quarterbacks in the history of football because first of all. They never officiated him properly. It was almost like a shack, a whole shack uh, mentality. That's the way he's been officiated, where the hits he's taken over his career, a lot of the big hits were illegal that were never flagged. Just like with Shaq, just because he was bigger, stronger than everybody else at the position, he got hit a ton that was never, never whistled. So a lot of that did put some wear and tear on his body. But he's a winner. He's, he's he got the pedigree of a guy that can, you know, given the opportunity, that might be able to take you there. Where other quarterbacks, you know, get afforded way more, way more opportunities than with way less accolades than a Cam Newton. You know, he was the last free agent signing basically last year. And with all the accolades I just mentioned, then when you look at other guys. They haven't done a thing in this league. They're getting signed left and right. So then, yeah. when you look at, so if I so if I look at the whole situation with him and the, and the rookie, 
I expect Cam to get the opportunity first before him. And then the uh, what's the other the other quarterback you mentioned? Who who was it? Oh, uh, well, it Fields going to the Bears and then Mac Jones the to the Patriots. Yep. Yeah, Fields to the Bears. I I like a lot. I do like that a lot. Um, that team, like that team, isn't that bad, to be honest with you. And what they were missing was a spark at the quarterback's position. Um, I think if you if he's not starting day one, he's starting by week four. You know, um, Andy Dalton's. I don't, I don't really see him as a threat. If if you're gonna start Andy Dalton, it's just because he he's a professional quarterback and might be able to get the season rolling a little bit more smoothly than the rookies uh, straight out the bat. But I don't expect him to keep that job. I expect it. I expect that to go to Fields, and and in that division, when you look at the quarterbacks in that division, you look at Green Bay. Um, if Aaron Rodgers is still there, you know that's that's to be debated. You look at Minnesota; they have uh, Kirk Cousins, who's serviceable. You know what I'm saying? And then you look at uh at uh brain fart. You got uh golf in Detroit. Yeah, you got golf in Detroit. Yeah, who so they just you know what I'm saying they they absolutely going to try to uh, win with him. So you got to have the quarterback in that division. Uh, Scott's the limit for him. I, like I said, I think he's the second best quarterback in the draft, and it's it's a shame that he actually fell out of the top ten. To be honest with you, yeah, I, I it was tricky. I, I I had him rated as the second best quarterback in the draft, um, but in terms of where he landed, I think it's a great fit. We got to remember this team was eight and eight last year, um, despite all the struggles from the quarterback position because they kept rotating Trubisky and Nick Foles. For anybody, even if you watch one game of football, you know Justin Fields is better than both those guys. So, right. I think he's going to go in from day one and start. I think Andy Dalton was kind of a security blanket for them if they weren't able to get the quarterback they wanted in the draft. Because ultimately, what Matt Nagy likes to do as a coach is he wants a mobile quarterback. He wants to run some RPO. He wants to get him on a move, throwing the ball down the field. I think all those things are, are areas that Justin Fields excels in. And I think Matt Nagy's going to really like him. And I think Allen Robinson and those guys are going to really enjoy actually having a quarterback who can get them the ball now. That yeah. defense is still a, a top half of the league defense. I, I don't know if they're still top 10, but they're definitely top 15. You know, so they've got enough on defense where they're not going to expect the kid to come in and every night, uh, every Sunday drop 24 to 28 points. If he can get them yeah. into the 21-point range, it might be enough for them to steal some ball games and win. So I think he lands in a great spot. I agree with you a little bit on Cam. I think Cam still starts. I don't think Mac Jones is ready to start day one, even if he had landed in, in, in San Fran. I don't think he was on start day one. But what it does give the Patriots is it gives them now an opportunity to develop the heir apparent to obviously Brady, to Brady because Cam isn't part of their long-term plans. But I agree from the standpoint, like you said, where Cam last year, there were a lot of circumstances that didn't allow him to really thrive. We can't forget that they had eight guys opt out of that defense. The year before, when Brady was there, that was the number one ranked defense in all of football. Then you lose eight of those guys immediately. Eight of, of 11. Right. Eight yeah. of 11 starters during a COVID season, you're not going to have the same team. Then Cam gets COVID week four. If you look at his numbers from the first three weeks of the season, when they're two and one, and they almost went to Seattle and won in Seattle, Cam was playing well. Productive. 
Right. Yeah. He was productive. But he himself has said, when I got COVID, it was almost like the train kept moving and I, I was trying to catch up because there was yep. no offseason. There was no preseason. And he was learning a playbook for the first time that a lot of the other guys in that locker room already knew. The pass protections, the receivers, they already knew that playbook where he's trying to catch up. And that's why I think his performance as the year went on got worse. But I think it speaks volumes that Belichick and Josh McDaniels obviously vouched and wanted him back right away. They signed him first, and then they made the moves for the tight end yeah. for the wide receiver, right? Yep. So I think there's got to be some, some, some credit there in understanding that the guy still has it. He's still got a lot of talent left because if we're signing him first and then making a move to get the tight ends and, and secure everything else, that means we believe in the guy's talent and we think he has yep. enough to make us competitive. I think they're still going to be fine. They won, they won seven and nine last year, despite Cam having an awful season. And that's another thing, like you mentioned, with them signing the two tight ends, you, you're building an offense around Cam, to be honest with you, because the knock on Cam has been his his uh, downfield accuracy. And when you got two tight ends that can work the middle of that field on the on the first, on the the two intermediate levels, that sounds like Cam Newton offense to me. And now, when if you work in those two tight ends, guess where the linebackers are? On the tight ends. So guess what Cam's going to do? Run like shit. Eight yards a carry. Yeah. Seven yards here. Six yards it's- here. It's, it's a big difference, especially on first down. It can be a design run or it, or when things break down. There's a big difference between picking up six rushing from the quarterback spot on a play where you were on a design pass. There's a big difference between second and four and second and ten. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cam can give you that second and four all day, especially with those tight ends out there. Well, and, and then the versatility of those tight ends, right? Because both of them are pass catchers who are great in the run game. So yep. now you got the play action off that. Now you create mismatches because most teams, especially now the way defenses are created to have that extra safety or that extra corner on the field, most teams aren't built to defend two tight ends because either your linebackers are too slow or you've got a safety or corner who isn't big enough to handle what the tight ends could do. John o. Smith and Hunter Henry give you that versatility like you said where you got the play action you could run the ball Damian Harris was a solid back for them last year I like what the Patriots did in the offseason and I like so far what they've done in the draft I wanted to ask you what are you some of your favorite picks so far in the draft uh favorite pick so far in the draft I really like I really like some of the action that happened today um I liked Asante Samuel Jr. at 37 that's a first round talent that you were able to get at 37. Uh, I really like uh, Moore at 34. That's a that's a first-round receiver who, who might – he has a chance to, to be the best receiver in this draft. I'm not, I'm not saying he will be, but he has a chance to be the best receiver in this draft. That's great value at 34. But my favorite pick is number six to the Dolphins. And, and you know this. My man – Jalen Waddle is going to be a difference maker like nobody else in this draft outside of the quarterback spot. Um, but value-wise, value, I got I love Samuel at 37 and I love more at uh 34. That that's I I like getting guys that I feel like can start for you for years and years. That's gonna be a headache 
in the league outside of the first round. That's that's beautiful to me. Even though they neither one of them went to my squad. But that's that's a beautiful thing. That's, those are my favorite picks probably so this so far through the draft. Yeah, uh, Elijah Moore is a is a great mention because he had first round talent and a first round grade on most mock drafts. He lands in a situation. We talked about the Jets, they're rebuilding. But he has an opportunity to be the number one target there. They don't really have a guy, you know, who's going to command the ball. He may be the best guy there. Um, watching him on film, he reminds me a lot of an early T.Y. Hilton. Shifty guy out of the slot. Mm. Not big in stature, but the fact that he can mm-hmm. catch in traffic and then create after the catch, I think he has potential there. I love what Miami has done really the last two years. I, I mean, we know two has got to yeah. develop. But this year, as you mentioned, to be able to get Waddle where they got him, Right. They traded. They traded out of three. They're still able to get what most people consider the best receiver in this draft. But the guy I really like was Jalen Phillips, a big disruptive defensive end. He's going to be a guy that I think Brian Flores could really utilize and turn him almost into what they had in New England with Willie McGinnis, where he could play either side. You can stand him up. He can cover backs out of the backfield. The dude is very disruptive and explosive at the line of scrimmage. I like I like what Miami has done, man. I, I really like what they've done. Uh, they're one of the teams I like. I I'm, I was interested when I saw. I, I never bought into the hype that Denver was going to take a quarterback. So when they traded for Teddy Bridgewater, it kind of confirmed what I already thought. But them getting Sertan was really interesting to me. You and I have talked about some of their offseason moves. Remember, they they end up getting uh, Kyle Fuller from the Bears when he got cut. They re-signed Justin Simmons. They got some they got some dogs on the defensive line. I think they're gearing up to make a playoff push this year. You know what? I'm mad that I didn't bring up um, on this platform or in the group chat uh, that I thought Denver was going to go corner. I did bring it up with one of the homies in the group, uh, Sean Neal, shout out to Sean, that uh, I thought, you know, they didn't draft Champ Bailey, but they've been trying to replace him. Since he since he was gone, Chris Harris, Chris Harris was that dude for a minute, but he didn't have nobody opposite him. So while he was a he he showed elite talent for a, a good season and a half, maybe a good I'll say a good season before injury started to happen. Um, every team, you know, he he was say he's a I say he was a top ten corner at the back end of the top ten. But the, there was facing too many top five guys, you know what I'm saying. So it so it kind of looked a little. So he, he started looking a little suspect, and I felt like Denver's been trying to replace Champ ever since Champ left. So I really did think that they were going to go. Uh, I didn't think Horn. I thought I thought Sertan was going to go uh, before Horn. So uh, so I kind of I I I felt like I, I was on the money with that. I just wish I, you know, wish I could. Uh, not, my flowers for that it's, 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 listen, it's great analysis. It's great insight. I, I expected them to go defense just because of everything they had done this offseason. They've got some mm-hmm. talent on the offense, and they spent a lot of their free agent money on the defense trying to, again, get more stout. And you have to. You're in the same division as Kansas City, right? So you got to be able to play elite-level defense. I actually thought they would have been in the market for, for Mika Parsons because of his versatility at linebacker and able to get to the quarterback. But I think Sertan is great value there to, to get a guy, like you said, who now could be your cornerback, your number one cornerback for eight to ten years against Patrick Mahomes and all the weapons they have. I like that move a lot for them. 
I think an under radar uh, selection was late in the first round. Gregory Rousseau to the Bills. I like them. Okay. I like them. I think he's very raw. But a guy who's six seven, two seventy, and the ability to play inside and outside, he reminds me a lot of Justin Tuck. And I thought he had great mm. value, especially for Buffalo, because Buffalo's situation is they need to be able to get to the quarterback. Jerry Hughes is getting older. Uh, they had drafted a guy out of Iowa last year, Espinenza, who really hasn't panned out. Ed Oliver is good in the interior, but Ed Oliver isn't going to get you the pressure to the quarterback that you need. So being able to get this super athlete that you can rotate along the line, I think it could be a great value for them as well. I like that. I'm not going to ask like I know a lot about that kid because I, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't, you know, I'm going to always keep it real with you. I don't know anything about him, but if he's a guy that can step in a, a Jerry Hughes role, I know a lot about Jerry Hughes. He's um, a constant professional that you want in your in the uh, D-line room. You know what I mean? So if he still got a couple, which I think he still probably got two, three years in him that can bring up a youngin that, that has all the uh, attributes and potential that you mentioned, then that sounds like a good marriage. Yeah, Russo. I mean, the, the, the issue with Russo, again, he's young. He's only 20, so he's very raw. But he played with Jalen Phillips. So Jalen Phillips got a lot of the shine. Jalen mm-hmm. Phillips got a lot of the attention. And we saw that, obviously, Jalen Phillips went to Miami at 18, and everyone was super high on him. But the guy opposite to him was a guy who, was who again, was asked to do more of a do-it-all role, take on some of the double teams on the interior, play out in the flat on running backs. But I like I like Russo as well. What is what are some of the head scratching picks you saw? Some of the picks that you just felt like, man, that's that's terrible uh, evaluation or usage of that pick. Um, the biggest question marks has got to be the Raiders, which has been every like the last three drafts. And and I'm I want to hate on them, but I, I'm a kind of okay. I'm a hate on their picks. I, I'm gonna tell you that straight up. But but I like their philosophy, if that makes any sense. I've always been a guy that thought that when people say, oh, if you get this draft, this guy in this position, when he's he rated at this spot, but you take him at this spot, then it's a reach. I feel I've always felt like that was bullshit. If if you if the guy you want is available at the spot you take, why would you take somebody that isn't isn't the guy you want just because of a chart? A chart is a chart is only numbers based on potential. That it's not guaranteed. If you've done your due diligence as an evaluator of talent, and the guy that you feel like is your guy is there when you draft. No, mind you, I'm not saying if, if it's a guy you think you can get in the fifth round, and then you take him in the first. But if if there's a guy that you think you can might be gone midway through the second round before you pick again or in the third. I'm, I don't hate going to get a guy that you like in the later part of the first round. I, I really don't hate that because I feel like after 13, 14, 15, really you just getting into guys that are all based on, on potential. It's not, you know, all the home run hitters go early usually. It's at least the, the home run hitters based on college performance. So if you like, say, say you're sitting there at twenty, and there's a guy that's projected to go twenty-eight, but you really like him, then take him. No, you know so what I mean? from yes, from that point of view, yes. If if you're close enough in range to where a guy's projected to be drafted, 
there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because like even the running back position, the running back position has gotten to a point where most people feel like, oh, you shouldn't take one in the first round. But if you're late in the first round and you know you're not going to get the opportunity to get him in the second round, you take him. The Chiefs yeah, last year showed that, right? The Chiefs showed that last year with Edwards, Hilaire, Pittsburgh, and Jacksonville did it this year. My right. only issue with, with, with Alex Leatherwood is you take him at left tackle. He was projected to be a mid to late second round pick, which he probably would have been on the board for your second round selection. But when you took him, there were other tackles who had a higher grade ahead of him, right? Oh, yeah, sure. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying I like their pick. I just like their mindset. You understand their logic on so, it. So, yeah, exactly. So, so obviously, they love Leatherwood for some reason. You know, I don't know if they thought he was a Cadillac interior. <laughs> you know, he sounded like a, uh, you know what I'm saying? If he was a Cadillac Seville. He sounds I mean, like he might I, be a smooth dude. And the wood. Yeah, he I might sound, he, and the wood. Yeah, he might be a smooth dude. Daddy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? We talking, we talking them lax. But you know what I'm saying? Obviously, they they loved him for some reason. And John Gruden, that's how you know he's got a ten year, hundred million dollar contract because he's every draft so far, he's like f the trends, f what everybody else thinks. I'm going to fall in love with this guy, and that's who I'm going to draft. And I really think he falls in love with guys watching football on Saturday, drinking beer. You know what I'm saying? He's having a beer with Mayock. He's him and Mike Mayock having a beer. Mike Mayock's telling him who to draft for his horrible, uh, towny, South Baltimore accent or whatever. <laughs> that Mike Mayock, South you know what I'm saying? Western Maryland, South Baltimore. I mean, not Eastern Maryland, South Baltimore accent. And it, and he's like, this, I, I, I like this guy over here, John. I, I really like this. We take this guy. Let's, let's go ahead. Sounds, sounds like the winner to me, John. And John, yeah. you know, yeah. hey, I, hey, guy. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, again, I don't I don't think it was great value by them. But, you know, if, if, like you not said, if that's all. the guy, if, if that's the guy like, you have rated like high. That. But I like their philosophy. That's all. I hey, no problem. <laughs> they draft. They draft the way I probably would draft. Like, okay, I, I love this guy. Period. That's it. When it's if my pick comes around and I don't think he's gonna be there in the next round, I'm gonna go ahead and take him. After because yeah. it's all a crapshoot. It's all a crapshoot. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think you 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 gotta trust you know uh, your evaluations. If you have them rated that high, if, if he was their guy on their board and they felt. He is one of the top five tackles in this draft. Hey, you take him right then and there. Um, I, I just found it very confusing because they're a team that's been looking for a pass rusher ever since they traded Khalil Mack. And mm-hmm. right after Alex Leatherwood, we started seeing Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, and those other guys start to go off the board where it's like, I think that could have really helped Vegas out what they're looking for in their defense. But nonetheless, it's their pick, man. Before we debut this new segment, we're going to bring out, right? I got to ask you, though, mm-hmm. one player, as you watch the first round and now even into the second round, but more so the first round, who has biggest bust potential written all over them? Man, I got to go back to, uh, I got to go back to New England. Mac Jones. And I'm a, the reason I'm going to say that is because Mac Jones was thrown to the best football players in the nation. If you if you just look at this past season, 
his top two targets went in the first 11 picks of the draft. His top two targets went in the first 11 picks of this draft. What, I mean, and if you watch their film, that's been the knock, oh, the knock on both receivers instead of them running free, right? If there's a knock on, on, on either one of those guys, it's that they, oh, they play for Alabama. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, they, they're open every play. Well, why is it that a knock for the quarterback? You know what I mean? What what where the tight window throws? Where's the you know what I mean? What where's that? And they say anticipation throws. Is it anticipation or is the receiver just burning his corner four yards off the break? You know what I'm saying? If you throw to a wide open guy, it looks like an anticipation throw because the guy's wide open. You know what I mean? It's not like well well he didn't even have to wait for him to get open because he was open from the damn line of scrimmage. He had him beat off the break. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So really, what are you doing, Mac Jones? And then his the way his 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 swag on the way to the podium was was man was very lacking. Like he has no swag. Let's 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 not even. All. We don't even and, have to overanalyze. Not that that's a, not that that's a necessary attribute. But bro, you like come on, man. You first of all. You weren't like if you if you were the quarterback at Cal or somewhere like that, and you sashayed up to the podium like you did, then I would just say, "Oh, he's happy to be there." Now, when I see him sashay like that, you was the quarterback at Alabama. I'm like, "Oh, the backup could have put up the same numbers you did based on your just based on your stroll, bro." I can't I, I can't rock this stroll. I'll say this: Mac Jones isn't my pick, but to further strengthen your argument, because I've, I've had this debate with people as well. So not only were his top two receiving options taken in the first 11 picks, 10 picks really, right? Because Philly traded up to 10. And Harris. Najee Harris, who was also a back with first. Hold on, hit me out. Najee Harris was also a Heisman finalist, right? Right. And here we are through two rounds of the draft. They've had three offensive linemen drafted already as well. So your whole squad. <laughs> so, so out of your the eleven guys, player. out of the eleven offensive players on the field, your two receivers, your running back, and three offensive linemen were taken. That's six of the other six guys on your offense. Wow. So and the, and, the, and the other guys and the other four or five and and they and probably might, weren't eligible. Right. They might. They probably to, weren't eligible to go yet. They were, you, you had underclassmen who are probably coming back next year that'll probably be drafted in the first two or three rounds. I'm a, only reason I'm not going to say Mac Jones, Mac Jones would have been my pick had he gone to the Niners at three. At 15, I think it's a value pick and, and it's low risk, high reward for Bill because if it doesn't work out, no harm done. Obviously, his rookie scale pay isn't something too drastic where it's going to handcuff him. You can move on from missing on a 15 pick. To me, it's straight well, 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 let me ask you this. Who was the biggest bust of the draft two years ago? You're going to make me think I'm gonna back. I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a hint. He was a quarterback. He was a quarterback. He went at the 15th pick. From two years and ago? He played for Ohio State. Yeah, but I, I don't think... Uh, yes and no. You could okay. You could make the case that he was the biggest bust. But it hasn't handcuffed your organization. 
Haskins? Well, yep. it's not going to handcuff the organization based on the rookie wage scale. Right. The rookie wage scale has changed everything. That's, but, but, that's, but as a bust... But that's you, my point. The, the, if you drafted 15 and now you're on a Steelers practice squad two years ago, that you're a bust. You're no, probably the biggest bust of that you, draft. You are a first-round bust, but you're not a bust to the standpoint of that you handcuffed the franchise. Right? Like... Sam so Donald not working out who, with the Jets. Who is going to do that, though? I, to me, I Damn. think it's Trey Lance. Why? For a couple because reasons. You can, one, you can draft another one two years from now. You still won't be handcuffed. Nah, I think I think you will be handcuffed because they're going to walk away from Jimmy G. They're in a situation. The, the, a big part, part of the reason why they moved up is because they understand that they're going to be handcuffed by salaries two years from now. That's the reason why they had to trade DeForest Buckner last year. Two years from now, Joey Bosa's money's going to be coming up. Fred Warner's money's going to be coming up. Debo Samuel's money's going to be coming up. So they view this as an opportunity to bring in the young quarterback now on a rookie scale so that they can keep those other weapons. If Trey Lance doesn't work out, then you're going to have to make the tough decision of, are we going back into the draft pool or free agency to get a quarterback? Or are we allowing these guys to just walk? Because but you run every team run that risk though. Every if they team, but again, when you when you take a quarterback top five, he's expected to be with your franchise long term. When you draft mm-hmm. a guy at 15, it's a lot easier to walk away from him and still be competitive. Again, if you look at the football team, and that's a great example, Haskins didn't work out. And and I want to say this too, because no one's talked about it, not even in a group chat. Will, I know you were watching the draft yesterday. Why the hell, mm-hmm. when they were talking about Trevor Lawrence, they were using highlights of Dwayne Haskins to compare him? To- they were, weren't they? But I'll tell you why, though. It's because <laughs> of the system. It was Because of the system. I, I saw that. It was just because of the system. Yeah. Because, because it was because Urban was there with right. uh, Haskins. But, you know but what I mean? To, so to, they were showing that they could make the same throws. But I did notice point, that. But to stay on point, if Trey Lance doesn't work out, they're more than likely letting Jimmy G walk anyway. They're hoping to get high-level talent on a rookie scale so that they can keep those other pieces in place. And if he doesn't work out, I think it sets their organization back. The reason I don't think Trey Lance is going to work out is for the same reasons we highlighted earlier. Who was he playing against? What defenses was he facing? What responsibilities did he truly have? And then also, I came across a stat earlier today that really made me feel even less confident about him. He has the least amount of passing attempts of any quarterback drafted in the first round over the last 40 years. Oh, I did see. I saw that. I heard that uh, two days ago on uh, so, the homie Ross Tucker was talking about that. Yeah. That's crazy. So that to me is a major red flag. Again, he may be everything they expect him to be, but if he doesn't work out with the way that team is currently constructed and the amount of money that they're going to have to invest into this team to keep it around them, it's, it could be a great thing for them if he does work out well. If they're able to keep him on his rookie deal and then still keep all those pieces around him and he's everything they expect him to be, it could be great. But if he doesn't work out, it's going to force him into make some tough decisions. To me, he, he has the potential to be the biggest bust in his draft. But let's move on. We got a new segment we want to present today. And I think it fits both our characters. All right. It, it really does, man. That's when I when I came up with it, I was like, man, I think I think Will and I, we're gonna thrive in this situation, man. This this is our vibe right here, man. It's a beautiful thing. I'm gonna present you three questions. You're gonna let me know. Either you fucking with it or you're gonna tell me get the fuck out of here. I'm with it. Simple as that. Put the kids away. This again, we yeah, we don't they, we don't they, dumb down yeah, the language. Kids are at mommy's house tonight. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, the kids don't need to hear this language, all right? right. First things first. 
Mac Jones will have a better career in the NFL than Jalen Hurts and Tua. Tiger follow up. Then both of them. You fucking with it or you telling me get the fuck out of here? Fuck out of here, man! <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Yo, so after everything I just said about Mac Jones, you're right. You did. Story. You did already tell me how you feel about Mac. You know I kind of, I kind of preempted this. You know what I'm saying? Going to the best talent in college football with the best defense supporting them in college football with the first running back taken in the draft. Arguably the best running back in college football and the best coach. Arguably one of the top three best college football coaches of all time. And you're going to be the best. Like, you haven't shown me. You haven't stood out. You haven't stood out at all. But hit me out, though, Will. Hit me out. Isn't that exactly Uh, what he's walking into with New England? One of the best coaches of all time on a team that has top five defensive potential. And that's just spent majority of their free agency money on offensive talent. Isn't he walking into the same scenario that he walked out of Alabama from? Okay. No. I'm going to say no. Because offensively, outside of the tight ends, I don't believe in the receivers. I don't believe in the guys they brought in. And I think Cam's going to play all year well enough to where he's playing himself into in the contract for next year. So you think so Cam is there beyond this season? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. I, like I, I believe even Cam Newton and I do Mac Jones. Absolutely. Without without question. And I believe I believe I believe the locker room believe will believe more in Cam Newton than they would Mac Jones too. Which which is something that, you know, is unspoken, but I feel like that's that could carry some major weight. I think so here's my thinking in this scenario, right? I think there's potential for Mac Jones to have a better career than both those guys, and here's why. Mac Jones is walking into a situation again where they're getting back that defense. They spent money on the offense, and he's going to get at least half a year, if not a full season. I don't expect him to play this season. I agree with you in terms of Cam is going to be better, Cam is going to play all 17 games this year, and Mac will be on the sidelines. But when that year is up, he's going to get, again, Mac Jones will have had that whole season to sit next to Josh McDaniels, learn the offense, run the scout team, and then by year two, possibly take over if Cam Newton's number is too high. And he'll be walking into a ready-made team that has playoff aspirations, that has playoff talent. To me, Jalen Hurts is in the worst situation out of all three quarterbacks, right? You got a first-time head coach who at his press conference already sounded terrible. (laughs) You you drafted Jalen Rager last year who was a bust, and then you turn right back around and draft another speedy, small wide receiver this year. As much as I like, and they Devontae believe in Rager too. That's what's horrible. They believe in Rager. Yeah, they believe in Rager. Listen, I like Devontae Smith, but I think Devontae Smith is going into a very bad situation with that team. The Eagles have a lot of holes on that team. I don't think Jalen Hurts will look good this year at all. I think he's going to struggle again behind a makeshift offensive line that's getting older. Their defensive line is getting old. Their secondary is probably one of the worst in all of football. So Jalen Hurts is going to struggle. Tua and a, a rookie head coach is not going to want to um, place his wins and losses on a project, which is right. what Jalen Hurts is right now. Especially when you got a, a, a bona fide. Well, he's not nearly the quarterback he used to be, but as a rookie head coach, who do you want to hand the game plan to? Uh, a project 
or a guy that's been in the Super Bowl and has shown that he can play somewhat at a professional level just so you can get your own resume up and show to the team to instill your offense. Do you want to instill your offense with a project quarterback? Well, which he's going to be forced into that role for and, the first and, few weeks, yeah. at least first six, seven, eight weeks. And but if, if that if that turns into nothing, then they're going to turn the Flacco out for the second half of the season. If for anything, if for anything, just to save face. And let's not forget Nick Sirianni, who's the first time head coach we're speaking of. He had nothing to do with drafting Jalen Hurts. So he right. has no ties to him. That's not his quarterback. His future is not connected to the growth of Jalen Hurts. To me, Tua is on the clock now, though. We know, we've heard the rumors. Do they want to get a quarterback? We know for a fact that they were involved in talks to try to get Deshaun Watson. And now with these talks of Aaron Rodgers, who we're going to get to in a minute, Miami's going to be looking that direction because if Tua struggles, the thought is going to be, we have all this draft capital over the next few years. Let's throw it at Aaron Rodgers because we got a good defense. We got a solid offense. We got the good old line already, right? We got, like you said, we got Waddle. So now we got our our young, good wide receiver. They got Mike Gusecki, who's a serviceable tight end. Let's go get the veteran quarterback. I think Gusecki's nice. Gusecki is nice. He's nice, but he's in a situation where, again, you have a developing quarterback who's still learning how to read defenses and get him the ball. But my point being, there is opportunity here for Mac Jones to – to sneak in and be the best quarterback of the three. We're going to – I'm going to give you the next one. All right. We'll see you. Only, only, right. only right. time will tell. All right? Right. Yeah. You fucking with it or tell me to get the fuck out of here. Trey Mac Lance. Jones? No, 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 no. You already told me. Oh. Get, you already told me get the fuck yeah, out of yeah, here with Mac Jones. I'm going to tell you again. <laughs> I'm going to tell you again just, just so it was clear. <laughs> yeah, I say you, you got a little too excited to say it again. I saw it already. All right. <laughs> Second question. Trey Lance will start a game before Jordan Love. You fucking with it or get the fuck out of here? Get the fuck out of here with that, man. So Jordan Love is starting before Trey Lance? Oh, my bad. No, you're right. Oh. I'm fucking with it. I'm fucking with it. Yeah, I had it backwards. I had it backwards. Aaron Rodgers ain't going nowhere. And I say, if he was going somewhere, it would have been yesterday. I feel like if that was that was your opportunity. If it was really, if, if this whole situation, the rumors and all about he's not coming back and everything, if that was all real, you had you had to trade him yesterday because, I mean, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Now you can say, well, if they wait, then they can, uh, you know, they can feel different offers. You can only offer so much, though. That's the thing. It's not like you can offer six first-round picks. You're not allowed to. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you basically you just if you filled an office, you filled in who you think is going to be the sorriest and whose picks are going to be of most value. You know what I mean? But I don't see him going anywhere at all because it's not like it's not a situation like a like a marginal like a Kirk Cousins or something like that. This is Aaron Rodgers. This is MVP. Why? First of all, why would they have to trade him? They don't. What you gonna do? Hold out, sit out? Well, okay, so we got your heir apparent that we drafted that we moved up to draft last year. So you just can fast forward. That's all you doing. If if you were to hold out. And as an organization, why would you why would you 
kowtow to whatever he says. I if if you're gonna play hardball, all right, go ahead, sit down. You know what I'm saying? And I I got Jordan Love over here, and 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 we're gonna spin it as an organization to make you look bad because that's what happens in football. The the shield outshines any player, especially one that's supposed to be an all-world quarterback that's only won one Super Bowl in 16 years. So they're going to chew you up and spit you out, bro, just like everybody else. You're going to be humble. You're going to learn that this, you know, all that discount double check and stay farm commercials and all that. That's all good. After football, if that's what you're trying to do. But when it comes to, when it comes to that shield, they're going to keep, it's going to keep moving. Every Sunday, it's going to keep happening with or without you. It's still gonna be it's still gonna be football in Green Bay, bro. You 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 wasn't the first, and you ain't gonna be the last. I completely agree with you on this one. First and foremost, if if they felt Jordan Love was good enough to start this upcoming season, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have had to told him he wants out. They would have been already shopping him. So yeah. the fact that they weren't shopping him, the fact that they've even started to engage in extension talks with him to try to keep him happy shows you that they know Jordan Love isn't ready. Um, I think the one area, and we might as well get into it now because we're talking about it. I think Aaron Rodgers, though, did mess up from the standpoint of timing. I think had he let this be known back at late late January, right after the Super Bowl. Yeah, right after they got knocked out. When he yeah, said it. It, it would, he would have, they would have gotten so many offers that I think he would have been moved. But when you look at the landscape of team by team and who needs a quarterback and then who has the draft capital to get him, the field starts to shrink because the Niners didn't have enough to get them, right? Niners don't have a first-round pick until 2024. Um, maybe Miami does. Maybe the Jets do. But neither one of those teams are close enough to win in the Super Bowl that it would intrigue Aaron Rodgers. And it probably wouldn't intrigue them either because it's like if we're going to give up so much draft capital and then all we're doing is for us to be a second-round exit, is it worth it? So same thing with Denver, too. I think Denver doesn't have a team that's close enough to winning. They're good enough to make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers but not win a Super Bowl. So I think that the field has shrunk for him a little bit. There's already been reports that he may retire if they don't get him out of there. But I think that's all a bluff. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to leave like this. And and Aaron Rodgers is, is a smart enough guy to understand that his legacy is on the line as well, as you mentioned. One Super Bowl in 16 years. His career record in conference championship games is one in three. He does not want to go out this way. He wants to at least try to add another Super Bowl on his resume so that he will always be viewed as better than Brett Favre. Because right now, if you ask a lot of the Green Bay loyalists, they'll say they'll still have Brett Favre ahead of Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers wants that other Super Bowl to solidify his place above Brett Favre, in my opinion. See, me, I don't think he cares about Green Bay like that. I think he I does. Can really, I really can see him in Denver. I, And the reason I say that, First of all, Denver's a great sports town. Like they love their stars, and he would be the man. At, like, all right, if you if you if you rewind back to when Peyton Manning went to Denver, nobody was checking for them to 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 be a Super Bowl contender. They they weren't not up, before they he got there, there. right? Not before he got there, right? That's what I'm saying. Before he got there, so why is this situation so much different? If if Aaron was to go there now, who I Aaron think- Rodgers? Really, Aaron Rodgers now, compared to when Peyton Manning went to Denver, is a better quarterback, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. There's no He's... question marks about it. No, and there was all the question marks about uh, Peyton Manning's neck and, and his health. And he went 
two, two, two Super Bowls in Denver, right? Yep. So why 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 shouldn't I believe that Aaron Rodgers could do that same thing in Denver? That's because one. The best Number team, two. Well, I, hold on, hold on. Because I, I got to okay. put this out there. The best team in the AFC resides in that same division. When Peyton Manning oh, went there, yeah. That's that's a major that's a major hurdle to clear. Now, I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers can't go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes with those weapons because Jared Judy, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, um, Melvin Gordon as the running back, and they drafted a running back today from North Carolina as well. They have the weapons, yeah. and their de- their defense is probably better than Kansas City. But the biggest difference from when Peyton went there, remember when Peyton went there, they had already gone to the, to the playoffs with Tebow. Uh, Von Miller was still young. They had um, uh, Demarcus Ware on that team. They had Aqib a, a Tlaib. They had some good veteran presence on defense. Champ Bailey was there early on for Peyton as well. But there wasn't that that major roadblock in your way that would prevent you from winning the division and possibly going to Super Bowl. Right now, Aaron Rodgers go to Kansas City. I still put my money on Kansas City to be the better team. Next season. Probably. You know what yeah. I mean? But... I mean, stuff can change. So, like, how how long do we think Kansas City is going to keep it going like they're going right now? I mean, Mahomes, yeah. But I, I for them to roll the way they roll, I almost feel like Tyreek Hill is as important or more important than Patrick Mahomes is. Would you yes. disagree with that? No, no, you I don't disagree with that. I think Hill so and Kelsey. So then when you go draft guys, when you draft, when you draft the guys like Sertan, you know what I'm saying? That's a direct result of what Kansas City's bringing to the table. So you building your defense to stop that kind of offense. You know what I mean? And they're not reinventing the wheel in Kansas City. They just faster than everybody else. That's all that's happening. So if you get if you if you're acquiring speed on defense and you got an Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. You just you just equal the playing field. No, you, know? you 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 do equal the playing field. Don't get me wrong; it closes the gap. But the biggest difference from when Peyton went there was Peyton knew automatically, and obviously we need his health needed to cooperate. But he knew we're going to win this division, we're going to be in the playoffs, and then it's just a matter of executing in the playoffs. Like everyone loves to harp on that that second Super Bowl team that actually won it. Because Peyton was old and he had no arm at that point. But them first three years there, Peyton was putting up historic numbers and they was going, you know, they went to the Super Bowl. And again, the path to get there was a lot easier. If you're Aaron Rodgers, the path isn't easy. The path is still tough. So if you're Denver, you have to feel like what we have in place right now is good enough to compete with Kansas City, with Buffalo to to get to the Super Bowl because we may not even win this division with Aaron Rodgers. So are we willing to give up that draft capital that allows us to stay young? Are we willing to give up that draft capital that allows us to, to get more depth for this team? Are we good enough right now with what we have for three years? Because you got to be good enough. Like you said, Kansas City ain't going to go to 10 straight Super Bowls. That's We know that. That's unheard of. But are you good enough with what you have right now for the next three years to go toe-to-toe with Kansas City is the real question. That is a tough question, yeah, because if I guess if you do give up your because you're gonna have to give up a couple two, three first to be able to do that. But what are you gonna do with your seconds, your thirds, if you're not giving them up? 
I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is the type of quarterback that wherever he goes, they're contender. They're going to be a contender. And like you said, like it is a tougher division now than when Peyton went there. But he didn't have the best weapons. He just, he, he really didn't. He made, he made them better. better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made them better. And I, and I expect Aaron Rodgers to be able to at least do that. You know what I'm saying? He made Demarius Thomas a household name and haven't seen much from him since. He's out the you league. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, he's him out the and, league. Him man. and Eric Decker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at, yeah, exactly. All those those type guys who was there doing things with, with uh, Manning. I just feel like if you get a guy like, like look at the receivers and uh, Green Bay. He's still there. And, you know, he's still, he's won in three and, uh, NFC championships and you know what I'm saying but he's still in the playoffs every year with with the Lazarius what, what's the you know what I'm saying that, uh, you got Marquez Alan, Valdez Alan Lazard and all them yeah. guys in the Alan game. Lazard listen Alan, I, yeah. I, I definitely would be intrigued by the idea of Aaron Rodgers throwing to Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton you know what I'm saying? Because Jerry Judy probably was the best prospect in last year's draft in terms of skill position players. So to add Aaron Rodgers to that, I would I would be interested. They can both play. Yeah, they can both I, play. yeah, they both can play. And and Noah Fan is a pretty good tight end. He's better than what Green Bay got right now. So I, I definitely would be intrigued by it. I, I would be intrigued. Let me give you one more question. Fucking with it or fuck out of here. Justin Fields will have the best rookie year out of all the quarterbacks. Fuck out of here, man. It's going to be Trevor. Okay. Trevor all day. Uh, Trevor. You talking about Trevor who said football isn't everything? And I could walk away yes, from this right now? That guy. And that guy. That, that guy. Yes. Did I criticize for those comments? That guy. Because I've, I've, I've come, I've simmered down and I've. I've dissected and, and he and remember when we talked about that, I said he's gonna say those comments were taken out of context. And I said exactly is, is that not exactly what he did? He said those comments were taken out of context. That's not what he meant. And then he doubled he went back and kind of cleaned them up a little bit. Which I'm I'm gonna go ahead and buy it, man. I was when he was a freshman, I was the, the tank for I was in the tank for Trevor hashtag crew. You know what I'm saying? I was like, this dude's gonna be next. And then the comments came out here recently and blah blah blah. But then I, I calmed down and I sat back and looked again. And with all this draft breakdown, I looked at his film again. Man, he whew, that boy could he can sling it, man. And I know. Clemson, you know, the ACC isn't the, the best conference by any stretch. But how many quarterbacks can say they played in as many, outside of an Alabama quarterback, say they played in as many big games as he has None. in his career? None. And he, he, how many eggs did he lay in those big games? None. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That dude... And then his girls fine too. Like, did you, did you were you watching the draft? I was watching the draft. That's his wife now. We got to put proper respect on it. Oh, okay. My bad. That, my bad. Mrs. Lawrence. That's Mrs. Mrs. Lawrence. Mrs. Lawrence. Lawrence. With, with all due respect. 
with all due respect, could get it. So I was like, nah, listen, I'm like, okay. That's not that showed me his decision making skills. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He beat me to his it, bro. His decision making skills on par. Cause she she looks she she looks look. If you're gonna if you're gonna marry young as a rich million, which I'm against, if you're gonna marry young though as a rich millionaire, you might as well go ahead and, and snatch you up a diamond. And she looked like she went. And the story is, you know, they've been together for years and all that. Good job, young man. You knew you knew early. You was like, you know what? I better snatch me a dime now because with this arm I got, they gonna be dimes. Dimes are gonna be a dime a dozen. You know what I'm saying? And I got a pocket full of change. So, uh, so uh, you might as well be the one. So that tells me his decision-making skills is on point. Oh, it's absolutely. Fo- you know, back, to fo- back to football, when, when you watch the tape, it's just he's clean, man. Like, especially not not so much just the regular highlights. If you watch his all 22, he's just clean, man. Like, his decision-making is, 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 is quick. It's decisive, and, and all his throws are clean. And even on in the move when he's on the move, he all that's a, a, a big thing you need to watch with young. You know, it's a lot of quarterbacks that can move, and a lot of quarterbacks that are fast. But his mechanics when he's on the move, he gets those shoulder square, and his feet lined up, and he delivers strikes from any angle. Like those, like those uh, combine throws we were talking about from uh, Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence is ma- making those kind of plays with guys coming at him. You know what I'm saying? Under under live action, with with the re- uh, the weapons they've added, with uh, the coach, which I don't. I'm not a guy that's going to say Urban Meyer can't coach in the league because he's a college coach. I feel like the organization is believing in both of them um, as, as kind of like a collective unit, which is what it takes. You can't you can't go get your coach and then say, make this quarterback work. And then if that don't work, we'll, maybe we'll figure out another quarterback or maybe we'll let you go. I feel like um, Shad Khan came in and was like, you're my guy. This is your quarterback. This is your cap space. These are your draft picks. Make this team in your own image, so to speak. And you got a uh, white Jesus out here that can, uh, is supposed to be able to take you to the promised land. Yeah, I do believe Urban has been doing his uh, homework and in, in preparation for this opportunity. Um, I don't think he would have taken a job unless he was uh, fully engaged in understanding of what it's going to take to win at this level. So I, I, I'm not of that thinking that that's going to be the biggest issue here. Um, I just think that Fields has a better supporting cast. I think that he has a true number one receiver. He's got a top-notch defense. And I think he's walking into a better situation. That's not to say he's the better quarterback. But I think Trevor Lawrence is going to go through more bumps and bruises because there's going to be more put on him early on that I don't think is going to be put on on Justin Fields. I think Fields is going to be able to walk in and be viewed as almost like one of the guys. And listen, we're going to simplify the playbook. We're going to use your athleticism. And you have a safety net. You have Allen Robinson, which Trevor Lawrence doesn't have. Trevor, I think, is going to be viewed like we need you to throw the ball 25 to 30 times a game. We want to highlight you. We want to display you. So I I wouldn't be surprised if this rookie season, Justin Fields looks better. And similar, I'm going to give you a comparison now. 
This reminds me, too, in terms of the two quarterbacks only. When RG3 landed with the Washington team and Andrew Luck was with the Colts, the Washington team did a better job of supporting RG3 and allowing him to just use his athleticism where the Colts looked at Andrew Luck as you have to be our savior. That's the way I view it. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that a little bit. Like when RG3 was here, yeah, he he was the coaching staff actually formed the, the, the offense completely around what he was able to do. Right. You know what I mean? And they simplified so, things for him. Yep. You well, what, division, what division do you think is better? Bills' division or Lawrence's division? I think they're pretty equal um, because in uh, Trevor Lawrence's division, you got the Colts and the Titans who are both playoff caliber teams. In Chicago's division, you got Green Bay. If they have Aaron Rodgers, they're obviously a legitimate playoff team. And you got Minnesota, who's kind of a fringe playoff team. So in terms of toughness within the division, I mean, Jacksonville's easiest games of the year are going to be the two games against the, the Texans. And Fields' two easiest games are going to be the games against Detroit. And Detroit is actually probably better than Houston. So, yeah, that's a valid point. Maybe the division being a little simpler that's, and easier. Yeah, that's, I, think that, I think that plays a lot into us. You know who they're going to face. That could. That could. Before before we, we transition, we got, we're going to get a little basketball in, too, before we wrap up. One last football question. Washington football team. I know that's near and dear to your heart. What were your thoughts on the draft so far? Um First and second round, obviously, so far. What were your thoughts? First round, the linebacker. When we went linebacker, I, I kind of figured the way that it was playing out that they were going to go defense first with the first pick. Um, I really thought they were going to take the kid from Notre Dame, uh, the linebacker from Notre Dame first. But when I watched the when I watched the tape of um, Javen. That kid's he's rangy, man. Like, like none of us can say we watched a lot of Kentucky football. If you do say that, you lying through your teeth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Only, only if you're from Kentucky. Only if you're from yeah, Kentucky. That's the only way. But this dude's all over the field. He's fast, which that's one thing we we need to do on on the defensive side of football is get faster, especially at the linebacker spot. He's he's really fast. Long arms, short tackler, and he can cover tight ends. That's the thing. We haven't been able to cover tight ends, but like, I don't remember the last time we had a linebacker that could cover tight ends. But I saw some tape actually today, you know, after he was selected, of him covering uh, Pitts from Florida. You know what I mean? Being a, a fellow STC uh, alum. And he held his he held his own, man. He was stride for stride with him. He's breaking up passes with him, and I do I like seeing that. Uh, and then today we took a we took an offensive tackle. I'll never be mad at strengthening the offensive line, never. So I mean, I guess I'm I'm gonna be good with it. But from where we selected that 19, you're not really gonna make a splash, you know. You just really trying to solidify your depth, and you want to draft the guy that's going to start. So I'm hoping that the linebacker will start. We'll see what happens with the tackle we took today, and how uh, the depth chart shakes out that way. But you know, we didn't we didn't do anything crazy, move up to take a quarterback or 
We didn't reach for a guy. Or we we just kind of we just kind of you know we did the mature thing, which isn't the sexy moves, not the exciting move. We just made grown we just made grown up decisions. I feel like so far through the draft. Yeah, I, I wasn't too surprised they went linebacker. Um, I recently and, and shout out to the Hot Seat Podcast. I did a mock draft with them last week, and in, in the mock draft, and just to give you some background on it, we did it with anticipating no trade. So you had to select for the team at their spot what you thought they were going to do. I thought you guys were going to go O-line. I didn't expect uh, Dershaw to still be on the board. But in the mock draft I did, I had you guys taking uh, Tevin Jenkins, who ended up going in the second round today. Um, I thought you guys would have shored that position up. But I completely understand going linebacker because we know Ron Rivera wants to kind of recreate what he had with Carolina when he had Luke Keekley mm-hmm. and Thomas Davis. So like you said, to get in that rangy linebacker who can go sideline to sideline, we know that front four is going to take care of all the pass rush and, and run needs. So you want a guy who's athletic enough to stick with tight ends, but also play in coverage and then go sideline and sideline and make tackles. I think it's a solid move. I do, and I put it in the group chat, I do think they went a little backwards, though, because being that they took O-lineman, O-tackle with the second pick, I would have loved to see them do it the opposite way, take the tackle early, and then, as you mentioned, Jeremiah Owosu from Notre Dame was there on the board. Yeah, actually, yeah, let me mention that. I would have loved to see them do it that way because Owosu was was the top-rated inside linebacker, and I love his versatility because he plays some safety as well at Notre Dame. I actually, I probably, with him being on the board in the second when we selected and he went the very next pick, I probably would have took him too because he and uh, the kid we took on day one, don't play the same spot. You know what I'm saying? One's the sand, one's the wheel. So I, I probably would have taken both of them and then went and got him. Because what's the drop-off from the O-lineman we took at 51 to the O-lineman that would have been available in the third round? You know what I mean? Yeah. I really, I really would have took, really took that kid from Notre Dame in the second round, and I would have had two bookend uh linebackers to solidify my defense for the next five to eight years. Absolutely. And and I think Owosu out of Notre Dame, again, presented a lot of versatility. You could have still drafted him and used him at a hybrid position where he's playing safety sometimes, he's playing linebacker other times. So you could have gone a bunch of different ways, but I think overall your team is in great shape. Um, the one guy that, that did stick out to me that would have been intriguing had you taken him, but I understand why you didn't because of injury concerns was Caleb Farley because Caleb Farley by most regards was considered a top 15 talent, but he had a back injury that allowed him to slide in the draft. But there were a lot of people early in the season who viewed him in the same regard as, as uh, JC Horn and probably slightly below Patrick Sutan. But overall, I think you guys did well. Yeah. I wasn't mad at not going to get him. He's at two major back surgeries mm-hmm. already. So, yeah, and, I'm, and I'm as you, away. Away as you highlighted, he had to celebrate on his own in a one bedroom apartment. Yeah, bro. Did you see his? <laughs> did you see his camera? I saw the setup. I saw the setup. Bro, that was, I felt bad for him. I almost wanted to just stop by, you know, then bring him some, like a Taco Bell party taco pack or something. Just <laughs> bring just a party pack over there. Bro, it, his, 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 his setup was sad, man. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know at the time I saw it, but uh, somebody um, put me on and it was like, I think he's in a COVID protocol right now or something. But it's still oh, is that what it was? That's what I heard. <laughs> okay. That's that what I heard. But, it, 
It definitely was one of the saddest uh, celebrations of a guy. I've never seen that. Yeah, I've never drafted seen in the first round. By himself. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. So before we wrap up, though, let's transition. Let's get into some NBA talk. We are officially about two weeks away from the start of the play-in tournament, which obviously starts the NBA playoffs. As we speak tonight, the Wiz already wrapped up their game. They win against Cleveland. They've got firm control over the 10th spot. And you won like tonight? You guys won tonight. You Last time I checked, I'll, I'll see the official score. But last time I checked, you guys were up like 23. But it's over there. You guys look like you got firm control of the temp spot. You two and a half games up on Chicago. You have an opportunity to possibly even get up to eight because you're only a game and a half behind Charlotte. What are your thoughts as this is all going on right now? Your next game is Saturday against the Mavericks who are banged up. Luka didn't play last night and Przingis continues to get hurt. He left that game. So you might actually get them without their two stars. That's fine with me. I'm not, even if there's playing, I'm not, I'm not scared of nobody, man. We on a mission right now, bro. And I'm especially not scared of nobody at the back end of that East. Like I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm not scared of none of these squads, man. I said we going to be there. Here we are. Russell playing at a high level. Bill playing at a high level. Depth playing at a high level. Gafford, that kid Gafford, making things happen. When he Every time he's on the floor, he's making something happen. Robin Lopez out here with the ugliest hook shot in the history of basketball, but it falls more times than not. Scott Brooks looking like he's a coach. I'm not worried about none of these teams on the back end of the East. We're going we gonna to make the play-in tournament. We're going to make the playoffs. And whoever's at the one seed going to have to deal with us. It's just going to be like that. Now, I'd love to see Milwaukee creep up, which is not enough games, I don't think, left for them to creep up to that one. I don't, I don't want yeah. Brooklyn. I don't want Brooklyn. As of right now, as of right now, Philly's a half game back. And uh, Philly was playing tonight against Atlanta. I'm just double-checking. Philly actually won. So they have game back. Uh, the Nets lost tonight against the Blazers, but Milwaukee's four games back, and we're at a point where it's about eight to nine games left. So I don't know if they're going to be able to jump both those teams. But, um, I mean, listen, with, with that backcourt, I know you got to feel vindicated. One of our first episodes was right at the beginning of the season. So here we are at the end of the season, and you guys are right there in the mix. Um, I got to ask you, too. One, one of the biggest stories this past week, there were some comments made about LeBron James. Dr. J made his comments um, oh, yeah. <laughs> where he gave his basically first team, second team all time. He left LeBron yeah. off that list and then went on to say he feels LeBron has been at the forefront of the super team. He has pushed for the super team. One of the most shocking comments I heard though was Richard Jefferson who came out and said, even though I was teammates with LeBron, the one guy I did not want to see was Kevin Durant. Yeah. What were your thoughts when you heard these comments? I was now, now the Dr. J comments, he's not on. So what did he pick? Twelve for each team? No, he picked five. He went he went ten deep. Oh, he just went five. Yeah. Okay, that's a little that's a little get off my lawn. Because I don't have LeBron that high. Like, people hate on me all the time for that. He's in my top 10. I'll give him that. He's in my top 10. So, I feel like the doctor leaving him out of it. 
all of his top 10 players is a little but but how did he do it did he do it guard guard forward forward center and then guard guard forward forward center well yeah he went that's that exactly how he went <laughs> back court front court with a center like well uh, yeah see okay i'm not the best to ask about that because i i really don't i'm more of a i'm more of an old old head get off my lawn type dude I won't blame the super team shit on LeBron. Like, you know, I'm not going to blame that on him. I will blame the manipulation of the league on him, like, the way it is right now. That's all LeBron. But I'm not going to say, oh, he he started it. You know what I mean? It, it was guys on good teams before, but he just made it to where it's the norm. That's the thing. He made it to where everybody feel like they, that's what they should be doing. So that's kind of what the old head says. That's worth down the league when you got all the best players on like five, six teams instead of them being dispersed throughout the league. I guess that's what they say is watered down. But I, I can't hate but so much on LeBron. You know, it's it's hard with, with basketball because of the whole, you know, eras and styles of play and things like that. Skip, uh, that's just, it's just real tough. And I'm a and I'm a quote unquote LeBron hater. He's in my I'd probably have him in my top ten. He'd probably be tenth to be ninth or tenth, to be honest with you. But I'd have him in there. But then when you um talk about Richard Jefferson's comments, then I say duh to that. Because I've all that that's this is one of the reasons why I've always felt like LeBron's overrated. Kevin Durant, to me, for years, has been the best basketball player on earth. Now, and when I say that, when I when I say the best basketball player, I put it like this: as a dude that used to hoop, I'm gonna line guys up on the on the baseline, and if I'm if I got picked, and I'm lining up everybody in the modern NBA, and I got first pick, I'm picking KD. I'm not picking LeBron. And then if somebody else got first pick and they and they pick LeBron first, I'm gonna give him a hug and be like, thank you, because I want a KD anyway. I didn't want LeBron. If we talking about basketball, which is putting that thing in the hole, I want I don't need a I don't need a guy that's trying to be a coach. That's what I'm supposed to do. If, if, you know what I'm saying? If, I, if I'm putting together a team, I'm supposed to coach the team. I don't need you to coach the team. I need a guy that's the best. Hooper, period. Is LeBron a hooper or is he a a facilitator, basketball system, uh, guru, blah, blah, blah? I want hoopers. He ain't no hooper. I agree. LeBron ain't, he can't, you can't get him the ball and say, go get me a bucket. I mean, you, know you, you can. No, no, hold on, hold on. We, we, we can, you can, depending on the matchups, right? Because he's going mean, yeah, to use his physicality to get that hoop. KD With, don't it don't matter. That's right. what I'm saying. KD can can KD you know can score from any point on the court at any level. You in the post, mid range, three point, whatever you want to do, you know, ISO, whatever you want to do, run them off screens. The Dr. J comments to me, I didn't think were that big of a deal. And I agree with you. I think it's I think it's fucked up to try to even keep LeBron out of the top ten. I think he's done enough in the game. I personally have him just beneath Kareem 
I got Kareem as number two all time. I got LeBron just beneath him. Yeah, but three. I got him three right there. But no matter where you place him, and and the, and the fucked up shit about the LeBron argument is the LeBron supporters assume that because you don't have him number one, you hate him. I think that's yeah. everybody's biggest issue with the LeBron supporters. It can't be hate because you don't have the guy listed number one. I mean, it's 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 your number one for a reason. If I don't have you number one, I think there's some some flaws in your game and there's some areas that you're not elevated to being number one. But I do agree with you in the standpoint of he has created this atmosphere around the league. Whether you like it or not, when he took the shortcut to go to Miami, he created this because every other player then had to do this to be able to compete, right? Carmelo, though it didn't work, Carmelo thought, oh, let me go team up with Amari. Chris Paul thought, let me go team up over here. So you created this atmosphere of guys wanting to team up now because it's like, how the hell are we going to compete with the Miami Heat? It was discounted. It's the is the influence of clutch sports. Oh, that big time. Clutch, which is basically LeBron James management Rich enterprise. Paul Rich Paul. You know what I'm saying? That's LeBron enterprise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's he's for real the major conglomerate of clutch sports. Yeah. Rich and them. I mean, they running the numbers, but that's they run the numbers because LeBron can't. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, so, I'm, and I'm sure he does. They just can't openly say that he's the one doing it. Right. Yeah. But, you so know. that's that's the major influence of the LeBron on, on the NBA now. It's not that he he was the he was encouraging the teaming up. It's that his team, meaning his camp, who is you know representing a lot of these guys now, and they're spreading LeBron's doctrine. That this is what you do. So this is so this is that's where it all is happening. It's from clutch. It's not just yeah. that LeBron did it. It's because well, the reason I say we I put the I put the onus on LeBron is because he's the head of clutch. So right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, it's he he's the one that is angling these situations where it's like, I think we can get Anthony Davis if we do this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think we could do this. We can get this guy if we do this. Um but to me, like I said, the Richard Jefferson comments stick out the most because if you're playing with LeBron James and in your mind you feel LeBron James is the best player in the world, you don't give a fuck who we see and when we see them. I don't think, right? And 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 just just for debating purposes, I'm sure there was never a point where Scottie Pippen said, man, I really don't want to see Carl Malone in the series, man. It's like, I don't give a fuck who we see. We got Mike. Yeah. Right? I don't yeah. care who we see. We got this. We got the best player in the world. So I don't care who you got over there. You can have the Monstars. We going to beat them. Yeah. So that to me was the comment yeah. that stuck out the most. It was very telling. I mean, and if you watched it, if you watched it with, with open eyes, you saw that. You know what I mean? You saw that's why he was always criticized early. He didn't he didn't take he because he ran from taking over the big moments. Where KD was he, he, you know, he embraced the big moment. He wanted to take the big shots. Where LeBron wanted to hit the guy sitting in the corner wide open with two seconds left. You know what I'm saying? Daniel Marshall difference. in the corner. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I agree, man. I think LeBron is a great player, I, and I don't want to discredit his impact on the game. Um, I think one of the one of the biggest 
and I guess we could use the word blemish, is is like you said, when when it came to when you look at the all-time greats, other guys always feared the all-time greats. When we hear guys talk about that Jordan era specifically, we always hear guys talk about how like, man, Mike was just a different animal. He was one of them guys that you it was a presence about him. But when you hear guys talk about LeBron, it's, it's, guys challenge LeBron. They don't view LeBron as that great. Yep. You know, That's when, when a like, guy... When Jordan, when Jordan was doing his thing, it's, when he when he started winning, nobody else won. Nobody else won. He, and I, and I, always use, I always use this comparison to people who want to make the debate. Remember 2010, 2011, when Jason Terry challenged LeBron James and then outplayed LeBron James? In the finals, when LeBron was heightening corners in big moments of the, of the finals, what, yeah. What you think would have happened to Jason Terry if he would have tried to challenge Mike in his prom? Mike would have gave him fifty and sent him home crying. Period. That right. That's it. Would have been Phil would have been like, all right, this is the game plan. Mike would have been like, nope, give me the ball, clear out, and I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and give him thirty by halftime. And this is before you know you shooting. 53 in the game. Oh, it wasn't no threes. It would have it would have been all mid-range and pin game. Yeah, oh. Mike was like, I'm gonna give him 30 at halftime, and then he's going, and I'm gonna make sure, I'm gonna make sure that he knows who I am by the time he comes off for the second half. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? The fact that Jason Terry felt bold enough to challenge him and then say things like he can't guard me, again, speaks to the level of respect. The fact that when they yeah. played the Spurs those two years in the finals when he was in Miami, and that Pop was putting Boris Diaw on LeBron James speaks to how he was viewed by some of his counterparts. Again, exactly. his place in the game is cemented. He is great, but he ain't Michael Jordan. At all. And, and these youngers out here that don't know, I, don't, I can't even, I don't even know what to tell you because you've had plenty of opportunity to study up and learn. I don't know if they'll, like back in the day, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm sure... I know there's still game film because NBA TV still shows these Hollywood classic games and everything. Study up, man. Learn your history because there was a whole different. It was a whole different game, and it was a whole different attitude. And it's it's just something that's not out here right now. And maybe that's why the youngers embrace LeBron because it's like here I am, old man on the lawn. I mean, get off my lawn. Uh, it was it was a grind then. You know what I mean? Forget all this. Well, you're good and I'm good and he's good. So, but I lost. So let's go ahead and get together so we don't lose anymore. That's so soft, man. When before it was, well, I'm good. That team's good. That team's good. But I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna I'm gonna work to be better than you. Instead of, well, let me go ahead and pluck this guy. Let me holler at you in the off season. And see if you want to come holler at me. It's just, it's just a, it's hard because it's a different mindset, different generation, and everything else. It's just, it's just hard to see from where the game was to where it is now. It's just all the camaraderie and the happy go luckiness. I mean, that's just the way of the world now. I just, I really liked the era of you're on that team. I'm going to cut your heart out. I'm going to cut your heart out and I'm going to feed it to you, but I'm going to make sure it's properly cooked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I'm saying? We might have been, you might have been cool with your, with your, with your um, 
opposition before, but you weren't, it wasn't to the point where you were just trying to say, well, okay, I'm going to score. Now you let me score. And then you're going to score. We're going to both look good. It was, I'm going to cut your heart out, bro. And I'm going to put it on a platter in front of your family. But they will know that it was prepared with care before they ate it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's medium well, though. It's, it's good. It's right here. It's ready for you. Medium, it is perfect. I, I agree with you, man. It was a different era, man. On that note, we're going to get ready to wrap up. Will, any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts, especially with the draft. Um, I hope a lot of these young men, it's not even about football. I hope all these young, because I'm tired of hearing stories about guys blowing money or, you know, uh, getting in situations with females, be it domestic violence or, you know, guys need to just, I, I hope all these young men that are becoming instant millionaires take responsibility and I hope they got the right backing behind them because I'm tired of the stories. You know what I mean? I'm tired of, I'm tired of the bad news. I want to start seeing good news with these young men, um, helping, helping their families, helping their communities. Um, and just being the best, you know, being the best represent, representations of their families going forward as professional athletes, man. I don't think it's enough emphasis put on that as they come into these leagues. We just want them to perform and to entertain us on Sundays, Saturdays, Thursdays, and Mondays or whatever. But it needs to be more emphasis put on them being uh, not even so much role models. Like, I, I, hate, I hate that term, role models. But being an example, you know what I mean? Just... You don't have to, you don't have to, I don't want you, I don't want my kids to have, they don't have to have their posters on your wall. I mean, they don't, you know what I'm saying? They don't need that. But I don't want them to be, able, I don't want them watching games on Sunday and then watching the news on Monday um, of, of some negative reports, you know? Just uh, take care of your family, take care of your money, um, be responsible adults and, you know what I'm saying? Go get it. I agree. And well said, man. We wish the best for the young prospects coming in. When we get together in two weeks, Will, it'll be right at the start of the playing tournament. And just to leave you with a, with a little tidbit before we officially wrap up, because I know it's going to make your night. Russell Westbrook had another triple double and Ish Smith gave you 11 and four off the bench. I know that gets you excited <laughs> right there. there My you guy go. Ish. My guy Ish. <laughs> Yo, it's crazy. Remember, we talked last time. Uh, I was like, uh, "It's Smith came." Oh God, I just said it's Smith. And there then he go. came out. And, he came out and had a ball game. And like the next night, he gave it was like fifteen and nine or something crazy. I'm telling you, it's about guys in depth and knowing your role. You know what I'm saying? You said Russ had another trip dub. Another so trip dub tonight. Record. There you go. So he's five. He's five from uh, Oscar Robinson's record. Yeah, well, he's, he's nine games left. He, he he may pass it, but he definitely he may pass it this season, but he definitely pass it by early part of next season if he doesn't able if he I want it now. Game. I want it now. Oh, there you go. We'll we'll see what happens. Now. You know, well, so hope- we'll see in the next nine games or whatever, but you will see us in the playoffs. And if I'm telling you, we if we get in there, we talked about it. Don't let me in your house, bro. Yeah, we it, it, people already talking about your comments from last time. They like why he ramsacking the house like that. But you know, hey, that's that's how you got to come in there. I get it. I get that's it, man. What I do, man. Hey, that's what I do. And I forgot to tell you, my my, my shoes is muddy when I come in. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> we'll wrap it up on that, man. For Will Gordon, I am Eric Sanchez, and this is the Opinionated Ones. We out of here.